going to take your Bibles and go to Psalms. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole chapter. It's just a short chapter, only six verses. Psalms chapter 1. And then also turn over to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at both of those passages. Colossians chapter 2 and Psalms chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I want you to notice in this passage we see uh, two different people. You've got one who walks in the counsel of the godly. He's like a tree, one that's planted by the rivers of water, one whose leaf isn't withering, one that is able to uh, produce fruit in its season, where on the other side you have someone who does listen to the ungodly. They are doing the things of this world, and the Bible says they're like a chaff that the wind drives away. They're blown around all over the place. And obviously you don't want to be that way because the Bible tells us that the ungodly, they're not going to stand in the judgment. Not that they're not going to stand judgment, but they're not going to survive judgment. They're going to perish. But the uh, godly, they will make it. They, and the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I think all of us know it's a whole lot better to be a tree than to be a chaff. Something that's blown around. And we need Christians that are strong, that are like trees. And I want to go to Colossians chapter 2, because, you know, we do, we see a lot of agricultural type um, illustrations used in the Bible. And it makes sense, especially for back in that day when probably most people were involved in that kind of thing to a certain extent. And so it's something they definitely could relate to. And in Colossians chapter 2, we're going to see the Apostle Paul talking to believers and uh, he also uses an illustration that's very similar. And I want us to focus on what it says. But Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. And that's the title of the sermon today, Rooted and Built Up. We want to be rooted Christians and not just a a Christian who is saved and who has root, but we want to be built up. We want to grow. We want to produce something as Christians. And so it says, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And so verse 7, this is the key verse that I want to focus on. But before we do, let's take a quick look at the next verse, because the next verse shows us how we can end up being uprooted. It says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And so to be spoiled, that word is not used here the way we typically use it. Like, you know, we talk about kids being spoiled brats, meaning they get everything they want. But to spoil, it means to just basically take everything from you. If I, uh, if I you know, we were to go and conquer a city and spoil them, not only do we defeat them, but we also take everything that they have. We take everything of value and we leave with it. 
And so as Christians, if we are not rooted, if we are not built up as Christians, then we can allow a false prophet, we can allow someone to come in and spoil us. In other words, take everything of value that we have as Christians, and now we're no good, we're not no longer producing fruit, we're no longer accomplishing anything as, as Christians. And notice how that happens through the leaven of false doctrine. And that's what he's warning about here in Colossians. If we allow leaven or false doctrine, and specifically here he's speaking of the leaven of work salvation. If we allow work salvation to come into this church, and I don't think it is, but it's an example, then it would be like being spoiled by an enemy because we will have lost everything of value that we have as a church if we were to do that because people aren't going to be getting saved as a result. And so let's read the next verses, though, where Paul shows us, because Paul here is specifically dealing with salvation not allowing people to move them away from the clear gospel of Jesus Christ that's a, a saving faith that's without works. And he's showing us here in this passage that we are not partially saved, we're fully saved as Christians. And it says in verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. What makes me complete as a Christian, what makes me completely saved is Jesus Christ. It's what he did. That's why we profess faith in Christ when it comes to salvation. We do not profess our works. We do not profess our, when it, when it comes to our salvation, we do not profess our baptism. We do not pro, uh, profess our repentance of former sins or anything like that. We profess Jesus Christ and we're complete in him in whom also, watch this, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, why is he bringing this up? Well, because the, the specific heresy that kept coming into the church during that time or kept trying to come into the church was the teaching that you had to be circumcised to, in order to be saved. And that is work salvation, and they called that out. Now, today, we don't have people teaching that work for salvation, but... You can, you know what? You can make it any work you want. You can make it baptism. Now, I do not believe I, I am not adding to the scriptures right now. Okay, I'm not going to add to the scriptures, but based on this principle here, how right here Paul is showing that you, you are circumcised with the circumcision of Christ, and so because Christ was circumcised on the eighth day, and because He fulfilled the law, and we're professing faith in Him, when it comes to that law, we're covered. Because of what Jesus did. So if somebody wanted to say there has to be baptism in order for you to go to heaven, you have to have water baptism by immersion to go to heaven, otherwise you can't be saved. Well, you know what? Then you know what? I can go to this verse here and I say, you know what? In whom we are also baptized with the baptism of Jesus Christ. Okay, And I'm not saying that's what the Bible says, but I'm taking this principle. So if you want to make it any law, if you want to say you have to be good, okay, all right, in whom we are also good with the goodness of Christ. You know, you've got whatever it is, whatever work somebody wants to bring up, whatever thing in the law somebody wants to bring up, you have to keep the Sabbath. Well, you know what? Jesus kept the Sabbath for me. You've got to keep these feasts. You've got to do all. Jesus did all that stuff. And so at the end of the day, 
what Paul's just trying to show him here, you're complete in Christ. You are completely saved. We are not partially saved. We are not in the process of being saved. We are fully saved as Christians. And Paul is trying to make that very clear. And he is making that very clear in this passage. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. So when people want to bring up something in our flesh, some violation of the law that we've done, well, yeah, I mean, guilty. I mean, guilty is charged, wherever you want to say, but Jesus, or the Bible says, he's forgiven us all trespasses. So there's no point in even trying to deny any of the things people want to pin on us. We've probably done it to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, that's not what our salvation is about. Our salvation is complete in Jesus Christ. And he's forgiven us all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So, because Christ fulfilled all of these things in us, there's no excuse for us to not get rooted and built up, you know, and become fruit-bearing Christians. Because that, what, this morning, as I talk about being rooted and built up, these are things that we, you know, are possible we could fail at. And the whole point of being rooted and built up is so we can be like that tree, so we can bear fruit in our season like we're supposed to, and that we will not, and so in order for us to actually do that, we cannot let somebody come and spoil us with the leaven of false doctrine, false teaching. And so when Paul uses this term, rooted and built up, he is talking about being that way doctrinally. Because if we let the doctrine get out of line, get bad in this church, then we're not going to bear fruit. So, uh, but again, when it comes to salvation, we're completing him. We don't have anything to worry about that. Nobody is going to take our salvation from us, but we are always in danger of being spoiled in the sense of being made useless as Christians. And that definitely happens. And I believe there's a lot of saved people out there on their way to heaven that are completely useless for the cause of Christ right now. And, uh, and you know, it's one of those things where people are always wondering, well, are, you know, are they saved? And, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell. And you know when it's hard to tell, it's hard for you to get other people saved too, isn't it? And you know, once you're saved, you're always saved. But you can be useless as a Christian. And so it's like, well, no, I believe you've got to endure to the end. Well, you know what? In Jesus Christ, we endure to the end. He endured the cross. So, again, when it comes to salvation, we're covered there. When it comes to bearing fruit, you know what? You need, you need to endure to the end if you want to bear fruit. So it's always important we keep those things in their right place. And whenever, you know, these you know, liberals come along and try to act like we're adding to the gospel when we talk about doing all these things that we must do in order to bear fruit, don't let them change the subject. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about bearing fruit. So uh, don't, don't fall for that argument. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. So because of what Christ did for us, we are capable of bearing fruit and being useful 
in the kingdom of God. There's no excuse for us not to do that. So in Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to notice what it says in verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. So the first thing I want you to notice about this passage right here, it's talking about being rooted in your faith and grounded in love. And, it's, and, it's, and then it's using this illustration in teaching us to learn more about his love. But then notice too how it says that it's basically beyond comprehension. You know what that tells me? There's always more to learn about the love of Christ. There's always more to learn about the Bible. If you ever get to the point where like, you know what? I think I've got this all down. Then I don't know what's going on. Okay, there, there's, if, you know, have you ever ran into those people out soul-winning too that like they know more of the Bible than you do? It's because they read through it once. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I know everything that's in the Bible. I read through it once. Are you sure it was the Bible? <laughs> because I've read through this Bible several times and more and more I just get overwhelmed just like, man, I still have a lot more work to do when it comes to understanding this Bible, when it comes to learning the things that are in there. Sometimes, you know, it, it, let's, you know, I hate to admit stuff like this. Sometimes I'll hear people preaching and they'll start, you know, they'll preach a sermon about a character in the Bible. I'm like, who is that? There's a lot of names in this Bible. There's a lot of people. And they'll pull all this stuff in the Bible. I was like, man, you know what it does? It just makes me want to keep digging. You know, I'm glad when I hear preaching and people come, you know, they talk about stuff that I wasn't really familiar with. It challenge, it challenges me. And you know what? You're never going to run out of stuff to preach from this book. And I've heard people before talking about like you're eventually going to run out of stuff to preach. It's like we're talking about the King James Bible, right? Not talking about the Book of Mormon. We're talking about our King James Bible. You're not going to run out of stuff to preach in here. There's always going to be something. And it's and the truth is, when it comes to what we believe, we've got to get some roots. And what that means, if you're going to be a fruit-bearing Christian, you have got to get settled on what you believe. Now, there may be some here... And listen, if this is you, you're not, you're not wrong okay, for being this way. But maybe people that are coming here and they're just trying this out. Like, I'm going to try being Baptist for a while. I want to find out what the Baptists believe. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I wish everyone would give us a chance. I wish everyone in this town would come here and in all sincerity, with an open heart and an open mind and open ears, that they would listen to what we have to say. And they would check it with the Bible. And, and then, but then what I hope they eventually do is make a decision about whether or not they're going to follow this or not. And a lot of people, they do, they just, they try different things out for a while, but their way of trying it is they often just come in and they just kind of want to blend in a little bit. And we've got a lot of Christians out there and I've, I've, you know, we've had them come through here. I, I see them on social media all the time where it's like, are you sure you really believe like we do? Because they kind of seem like a caricature of a Baptist. Okay? And, you know, and, you, and you've all seen those pictures. Have you ever, anybody ever had one of those done to themselves where they have those artists like do like a caricature? I can't say that word. But you all know what the word is? But what does it usually do? It usually exaggerates 
a certain part of you. You know, like if you're if you have a big nose, it makes your nose really big. And there, just you know, whatever is like a notable feature, they really highlight it in those pictures. It was kind of like you know some of the uh, Jay Leno photos you see. What would it always do? It always give him a massive chin. Why? Because you know he had a he had a big chin. You know, and they they would do things like that. And uh, um, but you know we've all seen those things before. And so the thing is, you have a lot of Christians that a lot of times they like exaggerate certain aspects of fundamental Baptists. I mean, they, maybe with how they dress, they just go over the top of the most extreme. Maybe it's in some of the lingo. All of a sudden they start going to a Baptist church and they immediately develop a southern accent. And they're all like, man, that one other spot where the glory comes out. And, you know, they're using all the little one-liners and phrases that we all use. You know, and it's just like, you know, they've only been a Baptist for two or three months, and they're already running glory laps in the camp meeting, and it's just like... And then those same people, too, they're the ones that are always bashing the Baptist church, you know, later. You know, what's going on? And, you know, they are... They're not really rooted. You know, they're, they're trying it out. And, you know, the plant, a lot of the plants that grow the fastest usually have, like, the, some of the smallest roots, don't they? And you can just, a lot of times, just go and pull them out of the ground... And I'm telling you, these people that come along that have been saved for a year and are just immediately just preaching hardcore on the most extreme things, you know, that we all believe, I'm telling you, they've usually got the smallest roots and they're usually going to be the first ones to blow away. And the truth is, you know, the, the trees that last the longest are the ones with the deepest roots and those ones you're usually slower growing. And We've got to make sure we really get settled on what we believe, that we don't just come in here and just copy what we hear or copy what we see, that we actually dig into the Bible and we find some scriptures on it. And if you get your one scripture, great. But you know what? Try to find two. Try to find three. Try to get as much as you can. There, we, there's always more to learn. We're always learning more you know, about things like once saved, always saved. We're always learning more about you know, even a lot of what we believe on end times, we were talking about that yesterday, just something that somebody else brought up that's on our side. It's like, I never even thought about that. That's a great argument that proves we're right. And, you know, and I'm not dis, you know, it, what I heard, you know, it wasn't like I learned a new thing. I still have the exact same position, but you know what? It's like I got one more verse to just hit the other side with. And you know what? It's like it gave me one more route. And we ought to always be ready to learn. If I get up here and I'm going to preach a message on something like the Trinity, that's not time for you to be like, oh, man, this is going to be boring. I was hoping to learn something new today. You know what? Pay attention. Maybe we can strengthen your belief in that. You know, because I'm telling you right now, you get uprooted from that, you start flirting with some of these other weird doctrines on that, you'll become ineffective as a Christian. Even if you're saved, you'll become ineffective. You're not going to bear fruit. So we've got to get settled in what we believe. We should be anxious to learn the details of our salvation and the doctrine of the Bible. You know, you don't have, like what we, what we just went through in Colossians chapter 2. Most people, when they get saved, they are not going to immediately know if somebody comes along to them later and says, Oh, you're, you're telling me you're going to heaven now? Have you even been baptized? Have you seen what the Bible says about baptism? They're showing them all these verses about baptism. They're showing them all these verses, different works from the law. Hey, you know, what, you know they're, they're going to come up to them and it's like, oh, you think you're going to go to heaven? Look what the Bible says about this law. And the Bible says, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things that are commanded. 
Have you kept all those commandments since you just believed? They're not gonna, they might not know how to defend their salvation with the scriptures, but you know what? Colossians 2, while most people don't know that when they first get saved, that helps you a lot, doesn't it? I mean, literally any work somebody wants to bring up, we can go to Colossians 2 and we can show them, guess what? I'm covered in that area because Jesus did it for me. And, and so the thing is, it's, it's things like Colossians 2 that help us understand, too, the importance of the law. It helps us pay attention to all those things. It causes us to pay attention to the stories of Jesus Christ, how when he was born, how his uh, family, they took him to the temple and they offered the two turtle doves for him. It's like, what's the big deal about that story? Is that just helping us understand the 12 days of Christmas song and the two turtle doves thing? You know, what, what's, what's going on here? No, that was important because that was showing how Jesus was fulfilling the law. That was important for him to be the Messiah. He can't go violating the law. It mentioned how he was circumcised on the eighth day. All these things are important. These are important details when it comes to our salvation. And while people don't understand all these things when they first get saved, it is absolutely I mean, necessary and important. If you are going to be a fruit-bearing Christian, if you're going to be somebody who's able to defend what the Bible teaches about salvation, you're going to need to learn these things. And, you, uh, and we learn all these things when we go to church, and we should be anxious to learn more about it. I want to, you, know, I, you should want to learn more about why you are still saved. I get it. Once saved, always saved. But you know what? We, we ought to want to learn more about that, how you know, a one-time sacrifice can keep us saved. You know, when they had annual cleansings in the Bible, when they had daily sacrifices in the Bible... How is it that, that a one-time sacrifice can be enough? And you know what? I'm not going to preach that sermon, but I can tell you right now, a one-time sacrifice is enough. And there's a reason it's enough. And there's a reason they had to do those other ones daily and annually. You know what? We can learn all that from studying the Bible. We can learn all that from studying the book of Hebrews. And these are, these are good things that will just strengthen your faith. You know, and you're, you're not going to be very effective as a Christian in winning people to Christ, too, if you're not even sure about your salvation. You know, good luck getting other people assurance about their salvation when you're not even sure. And so we don't do any of these things so we can stay saved, but we do them to be effective. So you should always be anxious to learn. And if I'm going to get up you, and, and you hear the title of tonight's sermon is defending whatever doctrine that you are. You know, that's not time for you to get bored and say, well, I'm already I'm already settled on that. No, that's time for you to pay attention and see if maybe you don't get a few more verses that you can use to help you defend that argument, that you don't get a deeper understanding. Because this is the thing, too. It's not just the intellectual knowledge that will help us. I mean, it does help when you have a verse memorized. Like, for example, if somebody says, I believe you got to work to be saved. Well, it's really helpful to have a verse like, not of works, let's any man should boast. That, that's really helpful, you know, and you, you don't have to be real smart to use to know that verse. But, you know, it also helps if you understand why it's not of works. It's one thing to know the verse. It's another thing to, to understand it a little bit. And, you know, one thing that can help you understand why it's not of works is, well, one, the fact that, if, you know, we're talking about a holy God. And we are unholy people. And for anything that God would accept from us, 
he would have to compromise his holiness because we are so unholy. And so that's one of the reasons it, it can't be of works. Another reason it can't be of works is because of the fact that it would. It would take away from Jesus Christ and God wants him to be glorified in everything. God wants him to have the preeminence in all things. And if any works were involved, then it gives us something else to look at other than Jesus Christ. And he did all the work. He should get 100% of the credit. He should get all honor and glory. So that's another reason. God can't accept any works from us. So there, And there's a lot of reasons. There, there, there's a lot of reasons. But the thing is, it's always human reasoning that people come up with to go against what the Bible says. Well, you know, there's no way... You can't convince me that you can go and just, you know, live and still be sinful and still go to heaven. That, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. But the thing is, it does make sense when you understand the fact that on my best day, I'm still sinful. Then all of a sudden it makes sense. On our best day, we're still sinful. Now, how do we know that? We can only know that if we're studying the law of God. If we're not studying the law of God, we're going to think we're all good just because we're not killing people. But when we know the law of God and we realize there's so much more to it, then all of a sudden we understand, yep, I can't be good enough. My only hope is full dependence on Jesus Christ. And you know what that actually makes you do? It actually makes you believe on him, trust in him. So again, it's important that you, that you learn that you get the intellectual knowledge of what the Bible says, but then two, that you develop an understanding for it. And then when people throw all these things at you, it's not going to work because you get it. You understand it. You're rooted. And so not, so Paul said in Colossians 2, he said rooted, but then he went on also to say built up. Okay? We also want to, we want to build. We want to grow. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7. And verse 24, Matthew 7 and verse 24 it says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Okay? If, if we're going to build something, if we're going to build, build up something, you have to have a strong foundation. Otherwise, it's just going to fall over. Otherwise, it's going to shift. It's going to move. It's going to be like the house on the sand. And that's the person who they heard the sayings of Christ, but they did not do those things. Whenever the rains came, they fell. And we do. we've got to have something solid that's not going to move. If you're going to be effective as a Christian, you can't be changing your mind all the time. You can't go up to somebody's house and be giving them the gospel. And then when they bring up an objection, it's like, well, I don't know. And they're like, I don't know. I think you probably could lose your salvation. You can't be there and be like, well, you know, now that you mentioned that, I you know, I really don't know. You know, I guess, I guess it could be possible. Hey, you say that to them, you lost them right there. You're not going to get them at that point. No, you need to be able to, with confidence, when they throw something at you. Well, what about that verse in Galatians where it says, ye are fallen from grace? What, what, what about that? What are you, you going to say when they, when they bring that up? Oh, I never saw that verse. You know, I'm going to have to rethink this. No, listen, you need to be ready. 
for that. When it talks about falling from grace, in case somebody doesn't know, it doesn't mean that you were saved and you fell from your salvation. It just means you didn't, you didn't get there. You fell from it. You fell away from it. You, you never made it. That's, that's what that means when you, when you see that verse right there. So you've got to make sure that you're actually rooted and built up and you've got to be, and, and when you're built on truth, you're not going to move. Okay? There, you're not going to move from, uh, you know, if you get settled on the truth, you need something that we can stick to. We need something strong enough that can actually hold something that has some weight to it. And there are, there's a lot of religions out there. What they'll do, they'll find, they'll take like one thing. They'll, 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 you know, all the cults, they pretty much start, they'll take one verse, some obscure, difficult verse, and then that people struggle with, and then they come up with some weird interpretation of it. And what always ends up happening with that, because, you know, what they are noted for is their one belief in that one area, you know, and, you know, maybe it's that verse in 1 Corinthians where we're talking about baptized for the dead, and you got Mormons, they're baptizing people for the, for the dead. They're bad, you know, getting baptized for their ancient ancestors that might not have been baptized in the Mormon faith so they can go to heaven. Okay, that's a stupid doctrine. You know, that's a stupid interpretation. But that is, I'll admit, that's a difficult verse. But that, the problem is their interpretation of it messes up the rest of the Bible if they're right. And so you know what they typically do? They typically just go ahead and mess up the rest of the Bible. You know, or they'll add their Book of Mormon. In there, or something like that. And the, the the thing is, when you get something right and you learn something new, you don't have to move on that. It's kind of like you know when it comes to eschatology and, and the pre-trib rapture. Okay, when you start challenging people on that, okay, because because it's an error, often they, they have to start teaching really weird things like dispensational salvation and stuff. And the truth is, you know. When your doctrine, when your eschatology makes you have to change your belief on salvation, we got a real problem there. But the thing is, if you're, and a lot of these people just aren't right on salvation to begin with, but if you're right on salvation, you know, other doctrines like eschatology shouldn't mess with what you teach on salvation. And if you're right on eschatology, again, what we believe about salvation is no problem at all for that. You know, everything goes together. And so that, but again, it's important that we are, that we're constantly building on these things. And that's why it's important we get these things right. We need something strong enough that can actually withstand a storm. And that's what Jesus brought up, that man who built his house on a rock. The importance of that is it's not going to move when a storm comes. And we don't want our doctrine moving around all the time. We, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be one of those pastors who's just constantly changing doctrine, just constantly, you know, one day I'm this, one day I'm that. Don't want to be that way. That's not good, will not be effective. If you're not, you're not going to get, you know, chances are you're not going to get your family saved. If last year you were a Mormon, the year before that you were a Jehovah's Witness, and the year before that you were, you know, a Catholic. You know, they want to wait and may, see you actually do something for a while first. Then they might be willing to listen to you. But the thing is, you know, we don't, we got to make sure we're building up on a good foundation. And if you're building your life, your doctrine based off of the King James Bible, that's a good foundation. Based off Baptist doctrine, Baptist distinctives, you know, that you're, I don't think you're going to have to move around. And I do. I think we have, for sure, I think we have, I mean, 
we're obviously not perfect in this church. We don't claim to be perfect. I don't claim that we even have a perfect, flawless doctrinal statement. You know, there might be some things in there where we could possibly be a little off. But I will say this, that not too many churches preach as much doctrine as we do. You know, that not as many pastors preach from as much as the Bible as I do. And I feel like, you know, and I eventually want to preach through every chapter in the Bible. And you know what? I'm not real worried that when I go and I preach from another book in the Bible, that I'm going to contradict something that I preached in another book of the Bible. Because I think we're getting it right. I think our doctrine is so good here that we're able to cover a very broad range of topics and it not be a problem. Where in some churches, they have to have a very narrow focus. You know why? Because they've got too many errors. They start studying Hebrews too deep, it's really going to mess up their theology in a lot of areas. So, um, Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And, you know, we're always going to have opposition. We're always going to have the devil throwing fiery darts. We're always going to have people trying to bring in false doctrine. Bad things are going to happen. Things are going to get thrown at you. Storms are going to come. But if we are rooted and if we are built up, we'll be able to handle those things. We will be be firm. When we get attacked, we're going to keep going. When we get attacked, we're going to keep doing because what we have is is a good foundation. And And I'm thankful for that. And we have our church, we've been attacked by, you know, homos we've been attacked by ifb groups we've been attacked by new ifb groups i mean we've been attacked by calvinists we've been attacked by trent we get attacked all the time but yet has any of them ever crippled us now literally the only thing that's ever happened to us is social media has been temporarily halted but that's just an extra tool that we use that's not our church that's not our ministry and so we've all, whenever those things have been going on, we've always moved forward. We've always grown with every attack. We've, all, we've, we've always continued getting people saved. Why? Because at the end of the day, we've got roots here. You know, as a church, you know, and, uh, you know, and th- you know, people here too. You know, thankfully, you know, people are committed. I guarantee you, you know, there's stuff that you know, aggravates you sometimes and things that you don't really like. But, you know, it's important that you get rooted in a church. That will help you make it when storms come. Because, you know what? Storms are going to blow through this place. I promise you, storms are going to blow through this place. And if you're rooted, you know what? You'll be able to take it. You'll be able to, you'll be able to handle it. And we should, we should get rooted in church. I, you know, we should, you know, as a pastor, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm rooted. You know, I've been here for 11 years now. I have no desire to go anywhere else. And I don't, I don't want to go anywhere else. I remember uh, when we came out here, and we bought the house. Uh, we, we bought our house. I remember I just announced in church, hey, we finally bought our house. We just moved. And everybody started clapping. And, and I remember it's like, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. I mean, people seemed really excited about it. But then, but then you know, I was talking to people afterwards. And it was like when we did that, it showed, that, it showed everybody we're planning on staying around here. Now, I, I thought everybody already knew that. But it was like, it, you know, in doing that, it just kind of helped seal that in people's minds. And so, you know, I was glad that it did that because that was our intention. And, and you know, and too many people, they're, all, they're always just ready. And too many pastors. And, you know, let me just talk about this for a minute, too. Because, 
it's not going to be, you know, it, I, I, you know, it's not, I, I, I haven't really done the statistics on this, but when it comes to Baptist churches, there's not too many guys that have been here longer than I have in this area. We do. There's definitely one over in Sterling. He's been there for a long time. But as far as the Baptists go, first off, I just heard about another Baptist church losing the name Baptist in this area. We've had two closed down. Another one changed its name away from Baptist. So uh, pretty soon, I'm going to be like the longest running Baptist preacher in this town, if anybody's keeping track. Rock Falls, I can, I can claim it for now. But then um, there's people that have been there longer than me before. And are gone now, but a lot of these Southern Baptist churches, they can't keep a pastor for two years. And then these churches wonder why they're not growing. You know what? People need to get rooted in those churches. And it's very important that you do that. And if you have this half in, half out mentality, people are going to pick up on that and they're going to have the same attitude. And we, we should, we should be committed to what we're doing. And uh, turn over to Psalms chapter 92. And so the, the third thing Paul mentioned in Colossians 2, he said, rooted built up, he said, established in the faith. In Psalms 92, and verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. So notice, those who are planted in the house of God. Okay? says those people, they're going to still bring forth fruit in old age. I don't know about you, but I want that to be me. When I, I want to still be getting people saved when I am old. I, want, I, I hope when I am in the hospital and dying that I'm getting some nurses saved when I'm there. I always want to be bearing fruit as a Christian. And you know what? Those who are planted in the house of God, and you know what else it says to you? They'll be fat and flourishing. So, uh, you know, that's a good verse, you know, for those that are challenged in a shapely way. I don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how you're supposed to politically put that in a politically correct way. But, you know, it's not always a bad thing. This is a good thing here. And when it comes to something that's bearing fruit, producing something, they're, they're doing it. And I do. I hope spiritually, I, I do. I hope spiritually I'm fat and flourishing when I'm old. And I believe that if I'm planted in the house of God, if I keep the house of God a part of my life, if I keep the work of God a part of my life, I believe I'll be fat and flourishing in my old age. I'll still be producing something, still doing something for God. And so being established or established, established means to stabilize. And we should, we should keep growing, learning, and strengthen our faith. We should never get bored. With more preaching on a subject we always believe. You should always listen to more on that. You know, read books on those things. And as a, as a pastor, too, I have to be careful not to take for granted that everyone just believes something. Because that's the other thing, too. We've always got new people coming. And, you know, let's just admit this, too. Sometimes I, I, worry, about, I worry myself with, you know, memory and things like that. But we forget things, too. You know, I've, I've had this happen several times. I don't know if this is just a memory problem or if this is normal, but you know, people will ask, hey, what do you think this verse means? And I'll look, and it's like, I know I preached a sermon on that one time, but I don't remember what my position was. However, I'm really good at taking notes. You know, I, I save all my sermon notes, and so typically, whenever those questions do come up, and I, I had one just the, other, just the other day, somebody brought something up, and I'm like, oh, man, I had a really good interpretation of that, but I couldn't think of what it was. And I went... And I searched for those notes, found what I had put about it, 
and it was really good, and it was right on the money, and I was like, yeah, that's my belief on that passage. So I, I, I can't always remember right there on the spot, but, I, but yeah, thankfully I take good notes, and I, and I often uh, go to those things, but, but again, these things need to be repeated, because here's another thing too. This is something I learned early on pastoring. Just because I get up and I preach a sermon on a subject, it doesn't mean everyone learned from it. Because sometimes y'all daydream. Sometimes y'all are thinking about other things. Sometimes you fall asleep. Sometimes I didn't do a very good job teaching it. And it didn't register. And I've had that, I've had that happen many times over the years where people will ask about something. It's like, I preached a sermon on that and you were there. I've, I've got up before, I've preached sermons on subjects, and afterwards people complimenting, like, I never heard that before. And I'm thinking, yes, you have. <laughs> but they didn't remember it. So sometimes we have to get a little repetitive. Okay? You know, and obviously sometimes preachers, they do, they get obsessed with the topic and talk about it over and over and over again, you know, and, and that, that would be annoying. And I'm pretty sure you all don't want to hear me preach about the reprobate doctrine every week. And you know, oh, maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you would rather me preach on the homos every week. That way you don't have to ever worry about your eye getting nailed to the wall. But you know what? That's carnal. You stink, you know, and get over it. All right? you, need, you, you ought to be praying that I rip on your sins. If you were spiritual, that's what you would do. If you were, if you were spiritual, you'd pray before service, Lord, help Brother Tommy really give it to me today because I need it. How many of you prayed that before church? All right? I don't think any of you did. All right, Raleigh, you did? All right, good job. <laughs> Y'all better pray it next week, all right? And, and, we'll, you know, and we should, we should find, well, not next, I won't be here next week, but in two weeks, and we'll find out, you know, you can find out if you're really in tune with God in your prayer life, pray that I'll preach in your sin, and whoever sin I preach on, you know, you're the one best connection with God. And, and, you know, I'm being kind of funny when I say that, but at the same time, if everyone in our church sincerely prayed that prayer, Lord, use the preaching to show me what's wrong with me. If people really did that, I believe God would do some great things in our church. So I'm kind of being funny, but at the same time, I think you ought to do that. And so the last thing, real quickly, it says, Paul said, rooted, uh, built up, established. It says about, He said abounding. Abounding is a word he used. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And let me tell you something. When it comes to Christianity, you can just try a little bit if you want. You know, you can be, you know, you know when it comes to soul winning, when it comes to whatever it is, you can just dabble in it if you want and anything you do is going to be good any work you do for the lord is a good thing when it comes to serving god i mean if you just give a cold cup of water to one of god's brethren you're you're doing a good thing you're not going to lose your reward but you know what how much better is it to just abound in it and say you know what i'm going all in i'm going all out i'm going crazy with this i'm devoting my life to this i'm going to give as much as i possibly can to just doing the work of the Lord, helping God's people, learning the Bible. I mean, if you want, you can. You can just be somebody who's one of those... You know, did you know that if you just read through your Bible one time, you've done more than most Christians? 
have. But, you know, I still wouldn't say you're abounding if you do that. But you could still say you're better than most, you're doing better than most Christians. But, you know, do you want to just do a little better than everybody else so you can brag a little bit? Or do you just want to abound? Because let me tell you, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And, it, and, and back to what the, what the Apostle Paul, when he brought this up, when he talked about abounding, again, this is so we can be fruitful. I don't want to just bear a little fruit. I'd like to bear a lot of fruit. That's what, that's what, that should be our attitude. And so, you know, what, and the truth is, what good is knowledge of a subject if it doesn't produce any action in our life? What if you know all the verses about soul winning, but you never go soul winning? Who cares? You know, what, what good is it? So, but we ought to be abounding in these things. We ought to be abounding in love, the Bible talks about. We can know all the verses about love, but if you don't actually love people, if you don't actually show it, if nobody knows you love them, then who really cares? We should be abounding in it. And, uh, and so, notice it says, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And let me tell you, if you're learning the right stuff, if you're learning it from the right Bible, if you're rooted, built up, established in the faith as you've been taught, if you're abounding, you know what? I, I do believe you're going to be thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18 And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And being rooted and built up in the things of God, in the work of God, in the ministry of bearing fruit, let me tell you, that will not make you miserable. Y'all understand? That will not make you miserable. If you are miserable in your Christian walk, it's because you're doing it all wrong. You want to know why we have so many people today that are recovering from fundamentalism? Because they were always about pleasing their flesh. And if you are about pleasing your flesh, then you know what? Serving the Lord is going to make you pretty miserable. The Apostle Paul, if he was about serving his flesh, I don't think he would have been singing in prison after getting beaten. But you know what? The Apostle Paul, he got his pleasure in serving the Lord. He wasn't about just serving himself. And you know what? He was thankful. He's the one that said in everything, give thanks. He's the one that said, uh, said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he said that while he was in prison. It was the Apostle Paul that did all those things. And the truth is, many Christians today, they are. They're getting traumatized from listening to a pastor get up and tell them, what they need to do to be fruitful. What they need to do to be a good Christian. But the thing is, that, that only is going to make you miserable if you're not interested in bearing fruit. If you're just interested in pleasing yourself and giving your sorry flesh everything at once, then you know what? Yeah, you're going to hate this. You're going to hate it. You're going to despise it. And you know what? As soon as you get out of it, you're going to be attacking it like all these people do that are recovering from it. But you know what? Some of us, We've just decided, you know what? It doesn't seem to me like people who give themselves over to the flesh are happy. It really doesn't. I don't know about you. I don't like getting stabbed with needles. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like getting shots. I've had to have shots for things. I had to have an IV one time. I don't like needles. I still cringe if I have to get a shot for something. But you know what? I don't want to go liberal. Because for some reason, every preacher that leaves the eye of being goes liberal, one of the first things they do is they get a tattoo. 
Now, I don't understand why that is. I don't know, I don't know why you can't go liberal and still not get a tattoo, but they all get tattoos. I'm not, I don't want to do that. It's like, you know, forget, I, I don't want to start dressing like a queer. I don't want to start doing those things. I, I, don't want to, I, I don't know why they all got to do that, but that's exactly what they do. I don't know why it is. You know, I just, I heard about another one. As soon as they leave the IFB, they got to divorce their wife. I don't want to divorce my wife. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. You know, what's going on? I tell you what's going on. These people are giving themselves over to their flesh. And I'm seeing this and saying, that doesn't look very good to me. You know what? And sometimes what we have to do is tough and there's difficulties. But you know what? People that I'm watching that are staying true to what fundamental Baptists believe and teach, these people get through storms all the time. I, I've seen, I watch marriages survive when they lose children. I mean, I, I've, watched, I've watched these people maintain the joy of the Lord when, you know, during things like cancer and sicknesses and injuries. And they still have happiness. They still have the joy of the Lord. And then in the meantime, these people who give themselves over to the flesh are still traumatized and in therapy because they weren't allowed to dress half naked at the beach. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't think I don't think what you guys are doing works. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna keep listening to those loudmouth Baptists. I think I'm gonna keep listening to those guys because they actually can handle things. They're not they're not moving. They're actually not only are they producing fruit and getting people saved, but a lot of times too, they're the ones that are producing good families, raising good kids that are happy and serving the Lord and staying married and, ra- and you know, raising up godly grandkids. That's the kind of thing I want to see. That's the kind of thing that I'm interested in. And let me tell you, trees, they're not just there for looks. They're not there for looks. They are there to produce, produce fruit. They serve a purpose, and they're something we want them to last for as long as possible. And you know, no tree lasts forever, but each of us ought to have a desire to just grow and do as much as possible with our time on earth. And if we will get rooted, built up, established, all those things. And again, all of that, it's in this right here. And we do that by reading this Bible. We do it by listening to the preaching. And we do it by putting it into practice and teaching others what it says. That will get you settled on these things. And you know what? You'll be like the tree. And you will stand. You will be able to stand in judgment and unlike the ungodly that's like that chap blowing around we don't want to be that we we need more rooted built up christians in our world today and i hope uh you will get that in this church and we will have that in this church so with that let's pray dear lord i pray that this message was a help and a challenge to everyone Uh, we thank you so much for uh, your inspired word that you've preserved for us that we can count on that we can fully trust in And so, Lord, if if this message did anything, I pray that it will just motivate every single person, Lord, to not get satisfied with their knowledge of the Bible, but they'll have a desire to just dig deeper and to continue learning more. And I pray you'll help them to just bear even more fruit as a result. In your name we pray. Amen.